Hello and welcome to The Catch. I'm Matt Hansen, freelance editor with FindBet.com. Here again with Brad Mealy, writer and contributor for FindBet.com. We are bringing you the eighth installment of this series where we will discuss everything going on in the world of sports that we can fit into 60 minutes. Throughout this series, we will cover a range of topics, including sports betting and fantasy, along with keeping up with current events, trade rumors, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at find underscore bet and on Instagram at find bet, just one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching find bet. All of our newest content can be found on findbet.com. Every Monday, check out the weekly assist to get all the news from around the world of sports from the past week. And it's all in one place for you. Uh, find out who to drop who to swap and who to shop for your fantasy team up now on finebet.com. And later this week, you can find all the NFL DFS sit start recommendations along with betting advice for the week nine NFL slate. Brad, I just want to start off by getting something off my chest. Um, Baker Mayfield and I are in a, an abusive relationship and I need to get out of it. So I'm publicly publicly asking you guys for help. You included, Brad. I need you to have some type of an intervention for me that results in the Browns considering a new quarterback in 2021. So just to break it down for you, through eight games, Baker Mayfield has not eclipsed 300 yards passing in a game. He's only surpassed three touchdowns once in a game, and that was uh, when he had five against the Bengals in week seven. Uh, in six of those games, uh, they had the top rushing offense in the league, along with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham uh, on the outside to throw to before Odell um, went down with his ACL injury. Justin Herbert, a rookie, to put it in perspective, uh, who was thrown into his first NFL start with five minutes notice uh, against the Super Bowl champion Chiefs, threw for 300 yards, and on the season has either thrown for over 300 yards or had three or more touchdown passes in every single game uh, to start out his NFL career. Um, if we're going to have people saying, um, you know, teams have figured out Lamar Jackson and, you know, giving him criticism and, 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 and somewhat deservedly so, but because of a couple of bad performances, why aren't we calling for Baker Mayfield's head now in Cleveland after multiple examples of underperformance, uh, not just this season, but also, um, you know, in parts of last season as well. Um, even though it seems unlikely that Cleveland would have any inclination to actually be considering moving away from Mayfield, uh, you know, I'm just a crazy person. But I just don't see the point in waiting um, to add somebody later down the road. I think it needs to be done sooner, you know, considering the, the free agent class uh, coming up this offseason is going to include Cam Newton, Jamie's Winston, um, and possibly Dak Prescott. Um, you know, if there's a free agent out there, I think it's time for them to move on. They're a team that is ready to win now, but ultimately I feel like throughout certain points in this season and, and throughout his career, uh, Baker Mayfield has felt like he's holding this team back uh, by his uh, – I guess, unwillingness to take uh, chances in the right times um, and his lack of um, ball possession and making good decisions um, when, when it comes down to pressure situations. So, I mean, that's my rant basically, but Brad, what's your take on Baker Mayfield from an outsider's perspective? Um, because he's had some serious highs um, and he's had some bad lows. Um, and this year, you know, the record that they have, probably makes it difficult to remove him, but I just think it's time to start thinking about it, maybe. I think, I think you've got a point. I mean, I think at the, 
beginning of the season, you know, he cemented in as a young quarterback in, in as a starter in the NFL. Um, but I think we're at a point now where you begin to wonder, you've got a new coach, you've got a new GM, and he was an inherited quarterback from a different regime. And those three things add up to not a very clear future for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Um, especially when you look, like you said, when you look at the the free agent class this year. Now, I wouldn't be that crazy about Cam Newton, especially with the way that he's kind of fallen off and his ability to uh, pass seems to have, have gone down significantly this year. Um, Jameis Winston is somebody that definitely could be a target, um, but also he could be eyeing the starting job in New Orleans if this is Drew Brees' last year as a starting quarterback. True. True. Um, so that's something that – you know, he's probably going to pick New Orleans over Cleveland just with the, the weapons and the, and the organizational structure they have there. Um, Dak Prescott is definitely interesting. I think when you look at what he's going to cost the Cowboys, whatever he was asking for this, uh, this past offseason has probably gone up by 4 or $5 million a year now. So he's going to be – I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be a premium. They're going to have to pay a premium for him to be their starting quarterback in the future. So – that opens the door, I think, that the Cowboys could possibly move on, especially if they have a top three or four pick in the NFL draft this year and they end up drafting a quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks that are coming out. And this is a relatively good class that's coming out in 2021. So the ability of Mayfield, and and it's really going to be what Stefanski and um, the GM of Cleveland there want to – what they Barry. want in a quarterback moving forward. Yeah, and what they want moving forward um, – you know, Baker, if he doesn't provide that spark or or especially if he doesn't start to increase his, his performance throughout the rest of the season um, with their schedule, they have one of the easiest remaining schedules in the NFL in regards to record. So, you know, you'd like to see that him take control of that offense more um, than he has to start the year. He's been more of a game manager than he has been more of a franchise quarterback. And you can get a game manager in Case Keenum. Um, you don't have to to uh, be able to get that with Baker Mayfield. Right. With Mayfield, it's more, you know, limiting the turnovers. He's always one that's apt to throw interceptions at bad times um, and, and really put his defense in bad holes. Um, you know, with the Cowboys, you had mentioned, you know, if they have a high pick, and I think that they – I think it's pretty obvious that they will. Um, you know, they'll have that ammunition to go out there and, and draft a quarterback. Um, whether or not that fits into their short-term plans, um, that's to be seen. But, yeah, Dak's, Dak's numbers going up by the way that the Cowboys have looked uh, since he's been out. And the good thing with the Browns and the reason that I bring it up now is that, you know, Baker Mayfield's still playing on his rookie contract. So we're not invested in um, that big second contract in order to keep him your franchise quarterback. So, you know, there is some money to play with, and they do have some money under cap right now um, to go out and, and make an aggressive move like that. Uh, whether or not it's the right thing to do, is yet to be seen you know there's still plenty of season left here for Baker Mayfield to you know to continue to develop under Stefanski's offense um so you know once they get Nick Chubb back that'll be a nice boost for them uh but with Odell Beckham going out that's that's a difficult blow even though Mayfield and Beckham has haven't been able to work out their chemistry yet the way that you'd like to see uh it was getting better so you know to lose him at this point in the year uh it's pretty tough but now that I've had proper time to vent about uh, Baker, uh, let's move on to news uh, around the world of sports <clears throat> and boxing. Deontay Wilder, who uh, lost to Tyson Fury in their last fight, 
has been accusing Fury of loading his gloves with something the size, uh, the shape of an egg weight. So he's essentially just, uh, you know, trying to make excuses here for his reasoning as to why he lost to Fury. Uh, other things that have come out recently, um, if you want to take on the what's going on with Mark Breland, which is pretty interesting as well. Yeah, Wilder is accused uh, is accusing uh, Breland and the train staff of putting a muscle relaxer in his water for for the fight. Um, so Wilder's actions and statements of late have kind of been a little bit erratic, and he's not helping his cause because he's getting he's getting the rematch that he wants with Tyson Fury. Well, he's hoping to, but at this point, Fury is is unwilling to commit to it, even though you know it's something that he said that they were going to have the rematch you know once the fight was over immediately but he's kind of soured on that idea I think Wilder's just kind of like putting crazy stuff out there in order to try to get the rematch in place uh but I think Wilder needs to you know get some other things in place in his life at this point because he's kind of fallen off the the rails at this point which is sad to see because he is a good fighter and I would like to see that rematch of Wilder and Fury uh but in other boxing news Javante Davis the tank uh, had a knockout of the year candidate uh, knockout against Leo Santa Cruz. Um, it was a highly anticipated matchup between the young prodigy and the veteran champion. Uh, Tank Davis uh, delivered the knockout of the year contender on Saturday night on his way to winning the WBA World Super Featherweight and the WBA World Lightweight Championship. So congratulations to him. Yeah, and Davis, he fights for Merriweather Promotions. Um, he's a He's one of uh, the protégés of the former champ, Floyd Mayweather. Um, and with this win, he's justified his rise to stardom and he and put two divisions on notice. So whatever it is next for Davis, it's sure to be in the main event for sure. And he uh, voiced that as well in his post-fight interview about he's a main event pay-per-view fighter. And he is right. There's nothing more exciting than a knockout. And that's essentially all he does with 24-0 record. He's got 23 knockouts now on his career. Leo Santa Cruz uh, has a good chin. He's a, a good defensive fighter and he's a smart fighter. And uh, this is only his uh, second loss um, of his career. And, um, you know, I'd like to see a rematch there because that was an exciting fight. Uh, but in other fight news, moving on to the UFC, uh, Dana White believes that there is a strong possibility uh, that Khabib Nurmagomedov will return to attempt to finish his career with an even 30 wins. Uh, currently, Khabib is 29-0-0, um, and his early retirement was focused around the loss of his father and coach and not really a decline in his ability. Um, but White feels strong enough about the potential for one more fight that um, Khabib's going to remain the lightweight champion rather than vacating it in lieu of his retirement announcement. Um, also, in other UFC news, White announced that Israel Adesanya will be moving up to compete for the light heavyweight championship against Jan Lakowitz. Uh, a win for Adesanya would make him a two-division champion. Uh, he's widely regarded at this point as one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the UFC ranks. Um, excited for that fight. Uh, they're two different types of fighters, and uh, I wanna, I'm very interested to see how their uh, styles are going to match up. Anderson Silva took a loss in what was billed to be his final fight inside a UFC octagon. Uriah Hall won by TKO in the fourth round, but Dana White spoke about how disappointing the performance was for both fighters, noting that Hall only threw 11 punches in the second round um, and almost seemed to be allowing Silva to stay in the fight. Uh, obviously, Hall had a lot of respect for Silva after the fight. You know, he, he kind of uh, he caught on audio of him talking to Silva and saying how much he appreciated him and, and what a career he had. Um, but 
White flat out stated that he doesn't believe that Silva should fight again. Even though Silva was hesitant, hesitant to confirm his retirement uh, in his post-fight interview, uh, it appears unlikely he would be offered the opportunity by the UFC to come back uh, anyways. Um, but let's move on to the NFL now. It's really the only sport left going now that the World Series is closed. Um, week eight, uh, Brad, if you want to take us through some of the highlights uh, that we saw last week. Yeah, so I mean, we week eight was kind of the upset week in the NFL. Um, I think probably the most surprising upset was the Bengals beating the Tennessee Titans 31 to 20. Joe Burrow had uh, just under 250 yards passing and two touchdowns. Um, and Giovanni Bernard, the waiver wire king this week, he had two scores uh, on the day, which was surprising because they don't, they hadn't really trusted him in the red zone to kind of punch the the uh, football in for a score and he got that chance a couple times this week and, and came through. Um, Derrick Henry continued to be Mr. Consistent when he's on the field, 112 yards and a touchdown. Um, you would have thought with Cincinnati's defense that Henry would have even had a better day. Um, but the Titans kind of came out flat and I think the Bengals are a better team than what their record has said. They've been in Absolutely. almost every game that they've played this year. Um, they've had some brutal loss last second losses um, so I think Tennessee probably overlooked them a little bit. We're looking into the future, and uh, that came back and bit them. And now Tennessee falls to four and two. They've lost two straight. Um, uh, sorry, five and two. They've lost two straight mm-hmm. um, games to the Steelers and now the Bengals um, going in. Uh, we also saw Tua Tagovailoa earned his first NFL win. Um, not necessarily because of what he did on the field. It was more the Dolphins' defense and special teams. Uh, that got the W for Miami, and he really wasn't asked to do much. He had a, his first career touchdown um, mm-hmm. that he threw to Devontae uh, Parker, um, and we also saw touchdowns from uh, the Miami defense on a fumble of Jared Goff, and then we also saw Jakeem Grant score a touchdown on a punt return. Um, so that first was – Yep, absolutely, and I think that, you know, Tua is – it was a very simple game plan, and I think that once the Dolphins got up big on the Rams, I think it was 28-7 at one point there into the third quarter, they really didn't ask him to do much. I think that they kind of took a lot off his plate and just kind of coasted to victory. Um, and Which is, again, we talked about before <clears throat> when the news was, was made that Tua was going to be taking over as starter. It's just – it still doesn't make sense because they didn't – it's like you said, they didn't really – feature Tua um you know I think he only had like 98 passing yards um and, and you can't game plan for getting a punt return for a touchdown and a defensive touchdown from Andrew Van Ginkle so you know take those out and you know the Rams maybe win that game which is just a weird thing because Miami's still competing in that division well maybe not the division so much as for a wild card um and to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick who was looking so good it just seems you know like an odd decision still, but we'll see. I mean, they got the win, so you can't really argue with that. They got the win. I, I think it was more, and it was kind of a rocky start for Tua too. I mean, he had a fumble right off the bat, mm-hmm. uh, um, a botched snap. And so that was a turnover right out of the gate. And so, um, you know, with as well as Burrow and, and Herbert have played to start the year, you know, you thought too, they kind of take the reins off a little bit, but um, it's it's really going to be interesting, and I think that the Dolphins are actually uh, not as good of a team with Tua as their starter right now as mm-hmm. they were with Fitzpatrick. And so if he struggles, it's going to be really, really interesting. If he has a couple, two or three weeks here where he struggles and the Dolphins lose some games that they probably would have won with Fitzpatrick, 
how much of a leash he has. I mean, you can't, you can't pull him. I don't think that you can pull him to start after three or four starts and him struggling, especially with the way that you brought him into the starting lineup. You just kind of gave him the starting job. It wasn't like Fitzpatrick was struggling. So No, he had him playing really well, I think, overachieving. Um, and, again, they're still competitive. So, you know, if they drop a couple – if they drop the next couple games here, um, do they, at that point, you know, they're, they're faced with the decision, do we just stick with our rookie and see what we have here and give up on the season potentially if we continue this slide? Or do we reinsert the veteran that had the team uh, uh, kind of clicking on all cylinders? Um I would say that Tua's leash is probably going to be long, but it should be as short as the practice shorts that Ryan Fitzpatrick was spotted in in practice today. If you haven't had a chance to get a look at that, just go hit Twitter and type in Ryan Fitzpatrick shorts, and um, and it's 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 something special. I think too, you got to look at their schedule too. The remaining schedule for the year, they, I mean, they play the the AFC East plays the NFC West, which is the best division in in football. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're playing the AFC West as well. So the Dolphins play the Cardinals this week. They get the Chargers next week. So Herbert has got the Chargers offense playing well. Yep. Uh, then they've got the Broncos and Jets. So those are definitely winnable games. So I think these next four games, you know, if two is not coming out of the, the, the Dolphins aren't coming out of this next four game slate, at least two and two. I think that that's probably going to be uh, a sticking point from there on because then they play the Bengals, which aren't a pushover. They play the Chiefs, um, and then they've got matchups against the Bills and the Patriots to end the year as well. So Ouch. it's going to be a, a tough road the rest of the year um, from where they've been and, and how they played to start the year. So, yeah, talk about trial by fire. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So let's uh, move on to the Vikings upset of the Packers and, and kind of maybe take us through, you know, what you saw from that game and, and what – you know, really led the Packers astray, basically, with their game plan. So, yeah, I mean, really, ultimately, it comes down to Dalvin Cook was just really good that game. Um, you know, the Vikings have been, along with the Falcons, probably the, the most major disappointments, um, considering their situations uh, in the NFC. And, you know, Dalvin Cook busted out 163 yards on the ground, had three touchdowns. Uh, added 63 yards receiving uh, and another touchdown through the air. Um, Aaron Rodgers was really good. Devontae Adams was really good. Uh, we know that they're going to show up and perform every week. Uh, Adams had three touchdown catches, and the Packers just didn't have enough firepower to get over the hump against the Vikings, who, you know, when, when Cook is, is running like that, the Packers are liable to give up big rushing performances anyways, but when they go up against someone like Dalvin Cook, it's just a bad matchup. So it was a good opportunity for the Vikings to get back on track um, and get a win, uh, especially a division win against a very good Packers team. Uh, but the Packers need to be very worried because they, I think going into the season, were already shorthanded as it, as it was. Um, now I have to give Matt LaFleur credit in the sense that he does have Aaron Rodgers playing potentially his best football of his career um, and getting the most out of the players he has there. But I think that him in the front office let Aaron Rodgers down by not adding uh, another receiver, uh, maybe a, a pass catching tight end to pair with um, Sternberger and uh, Tanyan. They, I, I, 
I feel like their success is just centered around Aaron Rodgers is one of the best of all time. And he's kind of just do, pulling a Tom Brady in New England where he's just making lesser guys look really good. He just has the advantage of having Devontae Adams on his team. And, um, and when Aaron Jones is healthy, you know, he's one of the best running backs in the league. So I think that they really missed him. Uh, but this week, you know, tonight we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, it's going to be pretty difficult for them because they're going to be potentially without their top three running backs with Jamal Williams um, and A.J. Dillon, uh, both going on the COVID-19 reserve list. So um, I don't know. Do you have any takes from that game? I mean, that's pretty much my my whole thoughts on, on that game. Yeah, I think I think the – Again, it's a divisional matchup, and I think the Vikings and Packers always kind of play each other close. So I think that needs to be – that's a part of the equation with why it happened that it, the way that it happened. But it also uh, – the Packers' defense, I think, is the most, I guess, concerning part of that. The offense is going to score points, but the Packers' defense hasn't really been able to stop anybody this year. So, right. um, you know, Mike Pettin has got to do a better job. Um, they signed some high-name free agents last year to kind of bring in some reinforcements and it's really not done much from the way the scheme has worked. So, you know, they've got to be able to stop guys. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers can, can put up 30 points a game, but you know, you can't really guarantee that he's going to be able to do that every game. So that's the biggest thing I guess from that is, you know, their defense has really got to step up and they, you know, they have a big game tonight against the 49ers and the 49ers don't have any wide receivers because of COVID and the Packers don't have any running backs because of COVID. So it's going to be, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers tonight is probably going to throw 50 times, 55 times. It's going to be interesting how that plays out. Yeah, I know the Packers also uh, of no – I don't know if it will matter if this will be out by the time the game's on, but the uh, the Packers do have Alan Lazard uh, on the team playing. Um, so if they activate him, they, they might get him back. You know, Aaron Jones, I haven't seen any news on whether or not he's going to be playing tonight. But uh, I think otherwise uh, Tyler – Irvin might be their only healthy back going into tonight. So we will see. But let me take uh, the Raiders and Browns. It was a snoozer of a game. It was 16 to 6. The Raiders won. Um, coming off a five touchdown performance, as I had mentioned before in week seven, Baker Mayfield was unable to find anything downfield. And the explosive offense we've be become expecting uh, from Cleveland was nowhere to be found. With the Bengals looking to be trending up, Brad, the Browns will be needing to get back on track quickly this week if they want to avoid a collapse. Well, next week, excuse me, because um, they're on bye this week. But with the Bengals surging, I feel like the Browns could be in danger of finding themselves at the bottom of this division by year's end. Um, do you think that the Bengals and Browns have any chance of flip-flopping spots in the standings? Uh, you know, when you look at the schedule, they have very easy schedules. So, I mean, it's possible, but – you know, I think that Cleveland is going to finish nine and seven at ten and six. Even, um, you know, if you look at their you know schedule, they have a bye this week, but they're going to they come back and I believe they play Houston in week ten. Mm -hmm. um, they've got the Jaguars on the slate. They've got um, the Titans still on the slate, I believe. Um, and so, you know, they're playing the AFC South. Uh, they're also playing the NFC West. They've got games against the Giants still that are left. And I believe that they still have to play the Eagles. So um, those are all very winnable games. Uh, and with the way that the Browns have played, I, I think offensively, I think they have the firepower to do it, even without Odell Beckham. Like you said, they're going to get Nick Chubb back. Um, so I'm not on the boat yet where I think that the Browns are going to flip-flop with the Bengals. I think that they're going to be very close. I think the Bengals are going to kind of, come out of the basement here a little bit 
especially with the way their schedule is working out. Um, and they're going to finish probably right around the 500 mark, which is going to be, you know, very good. And, and they've got a very bright future with, with uh, Joe Burrow at quarterback there. I think that their defense is going to need some work this off season, but um, no, I, I'm not, I'm not ready to jump off the, the Browns uh, bandwagon yet. Uh, I do think that they're going to finish this season at least nine and seven, but I think that their ceiling is probably 10 and six with two more games against the Steelers and the Ravens. I hope so. I think that, you know, they're a borderline playoff team and uh, I'd like to see them get in, but the AFC is just extremely competitive. And, you know, we talked about some of the teams that we weren't expecting to, you know, be in contention and uh, you know, the chargers and, and the Bengals are both teams that I believe they're both sitting with two wins right now, but they just feel like teams that are trending in the right direction. Um, and, you know, we still have half the year to go, so we'll see. Uh, but let's uh, hit some quick bites from uh, the rest of the league. Uh, the Bills claim supremacy in the AFC East with their win over the Patriots. The Steelers outlasted the Ravens in an AFC North contest where turnovers prevented the Ravens from getting a win. The Seahawks down the 49ers as Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle go out to injuries, um, along with the uh, the COVID-19 designations this week that came down with basically their entire receiving core. It takes overtime for the Saints to defeat the Bears. The Cowboys haven't scored a touchdown in two consecutive weeks now as they fell to the Eagles on Sunday night. Um, and Brad, this week the NFL trade deadline happened. Uh, it was uneventful to <coughs> say the least. Um, you know, maybe run us through some of the the candidates that we thought might have been on the move that uh, I guess we just kind of never got anything uh, developed on. Yeah, so I, there were a lot of names that were thrown out there. Carlos Dunlop got uh, traded to the Eagles. That was a, a big one from the Bengals. Um, some other ones that we thought kind of were going to be on the move, John Ross from Cincinnati, he basically wanted to push his way out of the Bengals. Um, David Njoku, the tight end from the Browns, he – uh, had asked for a trade again, um, no dice. I thought it was relatively quiet deadline, surprisingly, considering how much, uh, how many issues teams had with not only injuries, but COVID things and um, with just guys that were out of their lineups. Um, Ryan Kerrigan from the, uh, well, it used to be the Redskins, but now the, the Washington football team. We're going to get a break out of using that name. Um, but he asked for a trade and you know, the, the, uh, they were not going to give him away for nothing. So he's still with the team. Um, Kenny stills, I don't believe he asked for a trade, but, um, he, his name had come up, come up in, in, uh, trade discussions throughout the, the week here leading I up. I believe to that it. there were uh, connections with stills and the Packers possibly. Okay. That makes sense. I know Will Fuller as well was, was supposedly close to being traded to the Packers, but, the Packers weren't willing to give up. I think the, the Texans wanted a second round pick for Fuller and the Packers weren't willing to give up that much for a wide receiver. Who's got a pretty checkered injured history, injury history as well. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins was another one that was on the trade block, but I don't think that, you know, obviously he's not going to have a future as a Washington starter. I think that Rivera and the, and the um, Washington football team, they've moved on from him. So mm-hmm. um New England and the Giants uh, made a couple minor trades. I know the New England traded for the Dolphins, Isaiah Ford, uh, the wide receiver. Um, the Giants, uh, the Jets didn't uh, traded Avery Williamson to the Steelers. So uh, just some minor things that went down, surprisingly. You know, I thought that it would be a little bit more. And I feel like the media and, you know, the sports media, uh, 
universe in the NFL kind of builds up the trade deadline is all that, you know, like, like the MLB trade deadline when there seems to be a ton of moves and there's always one or two bigger moves that they're kind of large trades that happen. So uh, it's just not the way that that works in the NFL, especially with the salary cap and um, with how, uh, how rosters are, they're smaller than obviously MLB rosters. There's no, you know, minor league, uh, that they can pull from prospects-wise. And, and draft picks are pretty coveted just because of the way that the salary cap works with the rookie salaries. So, um, you know, teams are very uh, hesitant to, to part, especially even with fourth or fifth round picks. Yeah, you know, you, you're you're giving up the opportunity to bring in players on cheaper contracts and, you know, you have some control over their, uh, their futures in regards to extending them. So, you know, to – on the other side of that, you're going to be paying a premium for veteran players that, you know, maybe have passed that, uh, you know, are riddled with injuries or underperformance. You know, ultimately, a lot of the better players in the league are not going to be changing teams because they're going to be uh, paid uh, by the teams that draft them. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I agree. The the trade deadline in the NFL, I never really get too excited for. Um, this year was I th- I thought was going to be different because of the amount of injuries we've seen um, across the league. Uh, including contenders, you know, for the 49ers, I give Kyle Shanahan tons of credit for what he's been able to do with that team, um, considering the amount of injuries to important players that um, that he has. I think at this point it's over, I think it's 12 players, 12, 12 starters that uh, are currently injured um, long-term for the 49ers. Um, and uh, so I thought maybe there'd be some contenders, you know, like the Packers we had mentioned reaching out to Houston to get receiver help. Um, but again, you know, not really anything too exciting. Um, not like the NBA trade deadline, which usually would bring a couple of blockbusters. But um, again, as you had mentioned with, you know, with baseball, it's really not too uncommon for not too, not much to happen uh, out of the deadline. Um, but now that we're past the trade deadline, you know, the teams are pretty much uh, taking shape. You know, the biggest thing I think coming into this week uh, is going to be uh, a player not traded on the deadline, but a player that was signed uh, recently that is now eligible to play, which would be Antonio Brown, um, potentially making his debut for the Buccaneers and, and all reports coming out of Tampa Bay from Bruce Arians is that uh, he looks ready. He looks good. He looks in shape. Um, and we know, you know, from his one game with the Patriots, uh, Tom Brady and Antonio Brown seem to have some type of a natural chemistry. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how that shakes out. Uh, any thoughts on AB and Tampa Bay? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Bruce Arians has said that they're going to kind of put together a package for him this week and, and see, you know, how things work out with how the game goes. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's such a wild card. I think, you know, he could do really well. And if his mind is in the right spot, he can definitely bring a lot to that team, especially when you, you've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown as your top three wide receivers. And Oh, by the way, you've got Tom Brady throwing on the ball. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a very dangerous offense. So um, I guess I just kind of want to sit back and watch it. You know what I mean? It's like going, you know, going to a show in Vegas. I just want to kind of sit back and enjoy the show. And I don't know how I don't, <laughs> have any like preconceived notions going into it you know um but it's 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 gonna be interesting I think it's surprising because I feel like there's almost a little bit of a power struggle in in uh Tampa Bay because Bruce Arians is a very headstrong coach you know he kind of tells it how it is and and Tom Brady seems like he was the the voice behind getting Antonio Brown to the Buccaneers so um obviously the Bucs are trying to win a Super Bowl this year 
um, at least this year or the next year at the most. So um, they're going to do anything they can to try to get any type of edge that they can. Yeah, there's no doubt that the only thing that matters to Tom Brady this year is to win a Super Bowl uh, away from the Patriots and away from Bill Belichick. And, you know, for him, I think it's kind of like LeBron James mentality of, look, this is a vet. Uh, there's a track record. I know what this guy can do. Um, I've played against um, and in this case with this guy before. And, you know, in a world of COVID where we see guys, you know, hitting the designation list that any, any given point and it could be anybody you know nobody you know even though Odell Beckham said that his <laughs> his body would not uh accept COVID and that it was too strong you know that he'd have to, he doesn't got COVID but he said that um, but anybody can get it yeah. so you know in a world like that where Tom Brady's just focused on winning the Super Bowl you know adding a guy like that you know if Mike Evans goes down to, to COVID or injury or you know Chris Godwin has been out with a broken finger um, you know, it's just another weapon in the tool belt that, that they can pull out um, later in the season at the very least. So it's either going to – I feel like it's a move that's either going to win them the Super Bowl or it is going to be an absolute train wreck and A.B. is going to come in there and, and, you know, did what he did in, uh, in Oakland and, and in Pittsburgh and, and kind of destroy the team from the inside out. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean, A.B. has to at least be, be smart enough to know this might be his last shot. Um, because I think, like you said, Tom Brady was a, a catalyst in getting him to Tampa Bay. I think Arians was pretty clear in the preseason and early on in the year um, that he was pretty adamant against um, bringing A.B. into the organization. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, like, you, you kind of hit on all the points. I think it's just going to be an interesting uh, situation here, especially if especially if he doesn't get the ball on, like how happy is he going to be just being a guy that maybe gets two or three catches a game for anywhere from 20 to 40 yards. And, uh, you know, he's used to being that number one guy and he's just not that in this organization right now. Yeah. And there's already so many mouths to feed, you know, at this point, Mike Evans, it's, you know, sometimes he's, he's a non-factor, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. but yeah. Anyways, let's, uh, let's take a look at the season outlook from, from here. Uh, Let's start with favorites to win the AFC and NFC. Um, for me in the AFC, I'm going with Kansas City, uh, even though Pittsburgh's look unbelievable. Um, until proven otherwise, I'm just putting all my chips uh, on Patrick Mahomes. Um, so in the AFC, I'm going with Kansas City. NFC, I, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Um, Brad, do you have anything different there? I definitely, I think Kansas City is definitely obviously the cream of the crop in the AFC East, but I like Seattle in the NFC. I think that they're, even though they lost to Arizona, um, and Arizona's kind of put up some good, you know, wins this year so far, I think Seattle is the team to beat right now, for sure, in the NFC. It's a good one. Let Russ cook. Sleepers to win yep. the AFC and NFC. Uh, for me in the AFC, my sleeper is going to be the Colts. Um, you know, they're, they've obviously been playing well. Uh, but, you know, last week they went out and they crushed the Lions, who looked to be, you know, kind of playing better with Kenny Galladay in the lineup. Uh, but they just destroyed them. Uh, so, you know, they're looking good. And Phillip Rivers is playing pretty good ball. You know, he's a veteran that you know is going to be able to put up points and yards. Um, and he has a pretty explosive group of, of weapons to use if they remain healthy. So I like the Colts out of the AFC as a surprise. Uh, and the NFC, I like Arizona just because Kyler Murray and what he's able to do with his arm and his legs uh, just makes him a dangerous threat. And we've seen uh, young quarterbacks that there's not as much game film on uh, kind of have more success. Uh, 
early on before defenses get the tape. So I think that he's a very dangerous catalyst in that offense with a lot of weapons there in Arizona. Yeah, um, I would tend to agree with both those. I think for me, a sleeper coming from the AFC, I mean, they're not really asleep right now. They're 7-0, and um, but I like the Steelers. <laughs> so, you know, I think the Steelers match up pretty well with Kansas City. That's going to be an interesting game. Um, they don't play in the, in the regular season this year, but it's going to be an interesting game um, if they do meet in the in the playoffs, whether that's in the AFC Championship or, you know, depending on how things shake out with records, if that's, you know, in the divisional round um, from that. But what, for me, from the NFC, I think a sleeper is the Packers. So, like yeah. we just talked about, I mean, we're talking up the Packers earlier in the in the podcast here of, you know, how they, uh, Aaron Rodgers playing some of his best football you know, the offense is clicking, especially when everybody's healthy and, and guys are out there. Um, and really it's just going to depend on the defense. But I think Green Bay definitely has a shot to, to depending on how the matchup goes and, and, and how things shake up with matchups in the playoffs, they've got a shot to, uh, to be the, the, the team that gets out of the NFC or at least a sleeper when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, they're both. I mean, even though, you know, they've been two of the premier teams this year, I mean, in regard to – perception you know i would say that they both are still you know kind of sleeper teams with a, a few teams out ahead of them in, in, in both divisions or both conferences um but now let's move to what we're most interested to see or find out uh, over the course of these remaining weeks in the nfl for me it's going to be if the eagles can somehow come out of this awful awful terrible nfc east and get to the super bowl because that just seems like a Eagles type of thing to do and a very 2020 kind of a thing as well. So I just, I just, I thought about it over the weekend um, as I was watching some highlights and it just feels to me like that's something that's definitely in the realm of possibilities of happening this year. Brad, any, what are your thoughts on that? I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, we've seen the Eagles are obviously going to be the four seed if they make it into the playoffs because they're going to win the division and they're going to win the division with a seven, eight and one record, which is probably going to be <laughs> ridiculous. Um, so they're going to host a team that's maybe 11 and five in the playoffs just because they won the division. I think that's obviously going to be looked at from an NFL, like a competition standpoint. But um, when you look at the Eagles and I don't think there's any chance the Eagles get to the Super Bowl. I don't know. Carson <laughs> Wentz playing playing better than he has uh you know they they he had four turnovers against dallas in that sunday night game and they still won like <laughs> they still won by double digits so that's just how bad dallas was obviously but um yeah and here's the thing that we got to talk about too is why the nfc east continues to get primetime games it's i don't understand how that game was not flexed immediately right. when they saw that matchup oh. Last like, week, Sunday night, two NFC East teams. Monday night, an NFC East team. We do not want to see this. No. It's just it, – it, I, and I, I don't know what it is with the networks. Like, it just seems like there's an NFC East team on primetime three out of the four weeks in a month, you know, when it comes to, uh, <laughs> you know, the schedule. So, well, I, it was kind of a joke. I just wanted to put it in there to see what you'd say, and I got enough of a rise out of you that it made it worth it. Um, but for you, Brad, uh, the rest of the year, what are you most interested uh, to see uh, lay out uh, in the NFL? I think I'm most interested to see how things are going to work out here with COVID. Uh, I think the NFL has done 
a relatively good job with managing it, but now we're getting into the part of the year where, you know, cases are going to go up just in general because it's also flu season. People are indoors more. They're not able to be outdoors and socially distance as much as they could in the summer. So it's going to be interesting how teams work out and get through it basically and how the NFL handles it. And, and, you know, if it gets to a point where we have to shorten the season or go into a bubble um, like they did with the NBA and the MLB playoffs and the NHL playoffs. Um, I think that over the next two months here is going to be interesting when it comes to it. Um, obviously I think the NFL other than a, a borderline, just pandemic breakout in within the actual league, I think the NFL is pretty much guaranteeing that they're going to play games no matter what. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there's any games that are going to be in, in doubt with not being played. It's just going to be who's playing them when it comes to a player wise. So that's, I think for me, what's the most interesting aspect at least for the rest of the year. Yeah, they're going to play. And, you know, there's enough uh, former college players and failed professionals out there that if it gets to the point where they need to be calling those guys up, that's what they're going to be doing. Uh, you know, tonight the 49ers are, I believe they are going to be probably starting Trent Taylor and uh, former Bears first round pick Kevin White uh, at receiver. And uh, White was somebody that I believe was signed to the Niners practice squad earlier this year, um, but he's going to be getting the call up. And, you know, that's somebody that if you're really hurting for a receiver this week in fantasy, you know, might, might be worth a stream if, uh, if we're, if you're in need. Um, but let's move on. We got uh, two more things I want to cover here for uh, season outlook uh, fantasy MVP for me, it's a pretty easy one, uh, but I always lean towards running backs uh, being the most valuable, but it's Dalvin cook for me. He scored a touchdown in every game um, of the season that he's played so far. Uh, consistent high floor uh, week to week. They always get him involved no matter the game script. Um, honorable mention, however, to Devontae Adams for me, um, who probably has won three weeks for his fantasy owners this year. Um, although he missed weeks three and four, he was visibly affected by his hamstring injury in weeks two and six uh, coming off the bye. But uh, in week one, he had 14 catches, 156 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, week seven, he had 13 catches, 196 yards and two touchdowns. And um, last week, he had seven catches, 53 yards and three touchdowns. Um, game winning performances um, for fantasy managers there. Uh, Brad, what about you? Fantasy MVP so far? I think for me, I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I think he's on pace to break Peyton Manning's uh, touchdown passing record. He's on pace to throw for over 5,000 yards. Um, you know, he's – I think he's actually a quarterback that has won some teams some weeks. I know for me at least in, in our dynasty league, he's won me probably a couple of weeks. So um, I think he for me is is the MVP to start, you know, at the midway point here. Um, and then I guess uh, uh, an honorable mention would be Alvin Kamara too. He's pretty much been the Saints offense this year with Michael Thomas being out. Um, he's running the ball really well. He's catching the ball. And uh, I think he's had a running touchdown or a receiving touchdown in every game this year. And a lot of games he's had one of each. So yeah, um, yeah. I think he's definitely been a good, good, uh, good pick for fantasy owners as well. Yeah, he's really uh, kind of reclaimed his status as uh, a fantasy monster. And, you know, I have I personally had some questions on him just because I, I questioned his, his ability for his body to stay healthy. But um, he's been great this year and um, proving any doubters like me wrong. Um, if you have to put a Super Bowl bet on anybody right now, Brad, who is it? 
I'm putting a bet on a Super Bowl, I don't, I'm still going Seahawks. I just think that their offense right now is unstoppable. Um, All right. I don't know if there's anybody in the NFC right now that's playing better other than Tampa Bay, maybe. I agree with that, but I'm taking the Chiefs until uh, Pat Mahomes is dethroned as the king of the NFL. Um, I just – I can't bet against the guy. The guy just does things I, on a football field I've never seen before. And, can you um, imagine – I think the NFL Dreams matchup for Super Bowl would be Seahawks and Chiefs. Can you imagine – that would be like a 55 to 45 <laughs> game. Like, there would be so much scoring. So, And that's what people want, you know what I mean? So – Oh, yeah. I mean, give me that. Like, give me that in a series. Give me that in a seven-game series. I'll, I'll take that for seven weeks yeah. in a row. Give me that over a 13-3 New England Super Bowl two years ago against the Rams. You know, one of the Please. most boring Super Bowls that we had. So. Please. Let's go. Let's make this happen, NFL. All right. Let's just cancel Let's the rest of the season. It's just seven straight weeks of Chiefs and Seahawks. Um, but really quickly, we got to end soon, but let's shift to fantasy really quick. Uh, this week's draft swap and shop column is up and I want to go right to the tight end position because for George Kittle owners, um, losing him for eight weeks is essentially going to be, uh, ending his fantasy season for, uh, people that had him on their teams. Um, so needing to replace that star tight end, um, if you're still in contention, not a lot of options, you know, some guys that maybe should have been picked up earlier, like Dalton Schultz um, or Trey Burton. Um, and then obviously Jordan Reed and, and Ross Dwelly are going to be the immediate replacements for uh, Kittle in San Francisco. Uh, Brad, anybody else that you would uh, want to recommend to owners of Kittle to uh, find a replacement? Um, I think when you're, I think Trey Burton is probably one guy that I would target. He seems to kind of be filling an H back role now in Indianapolis, not necessarily a full time tight end. He's got a couple rushing touchdowns for them this year. Mm -hmm. um, he's got a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, Gerald Everett, as long as Higby is out, I mean, he's definitely somebody that has a lot of upside. I don't know how much he's going to get you every week, especially if, if Higby is in the lineup as well. Um, and then Eric Ebron of Pittsburgh, I think, is, is a good fill in. But you're right. There's not much in the way of fill-ins, especially when you lose such a high-profile guy like Kittle. It's tough. They might be forced into maybe making a trade instead to, to fill in that gap. Uh, but check out the Drop Swap Shop column up on findbet.com. Uh, there's also some trade uh, targets and suggestions on there as well. Um, Notable matchups for coming up this week in week nine, the Packers and the Niners tonight on Thursday night football, uh, the Ravens take on the Colts, Seahawks and Bills, Raiders and Chargers, Dolphins and Cardinals, and the Saints and the Bucks uh, square off this week. So that's going to be a big one. Uh, the Bills are getting three points uh, against the Seahawks, Brad. Uh, are you taking the Bills with the points? Uh, no, I, I, I do think – I mean, unless something changes from the last couple of weeks offensively and defensively for the Bills, I think the Seahawks are going to win this one pretty easily. I'd be surprised if uh, the Bills came out and completely shut down Russell Wilson. And, you know, Allen has had some up and down since his first – his hot start to the year. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think I'm more looking to see how the Bills' offense does and how their defense does. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I'm not really worried about Allen. I think when it comes down to needing to do to make plays to win a game, I think he's still a guy that's going to be able to do that for that team. Um, two more things. Uh, Christian McCaffrey potentially coming back this week, uh, still unknown, um, but they managed to stay afloat. Uh, while he was injured, um, going three and three during that time. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Mike Davis were big reasons for that. And then also this week, the Steelers take on the reeling Cowboys. Uh, give me a score prediction for that one, Brad. 
Uh, $11 billion to six Steelers. Yes. And I'm taking Seven. it over as well. Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. Like the Steelers are going to wipe the floor with the Cowboys this week. It could get ugly. I think that Ezekiel Elliott had a, uh, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, hamstring injury pop up this week. And yeah. um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to miss this one. So it could be pretty ugly. Um, but Tony Pollard owners, um, I think he's a flex play this week because they're going to have nobody else that can really do anything because I don't think they'll be able to pass the ball uh, on this defense. Um, but uh, just a quick reminder to check out findbet.com. I'll have my NFL power rankings up for week nine um, on Thursday. Um, so today or possibly yesterday, depending when this comes out. Um, but that is all the time that we have for this week. I want to thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching FindBet. Go to findbet.com to check out all of our newest content this week where you can find out who to drop, who to swap, and who to shop on your fantasy teams, betting advice for week nine of the NFL, and DFS start sit recommendations. Remember to follow us on Twitter at find underscore bet and on Instagram at findbet, just one word, to know when all of our new content hits findbet.com. Brad, any parting words of wisdom for our audience? Nope. It's good to be back. Had to take a little week off last week, but it's good to be back with you and uh, we'll move forward and get through this NFL season and this COVID season and election season, election week now. And uh, we'll get uh, we'll get you through it as uh, best we can. Yes. Let us please be a nice distraction away from all the political talk because, um, I don't know, it gets ugly out there. Brad, season two premiere of The Mandalorian, good or bad? Oh, best. It's, I think it was the best episode of the whole series, to be honest. I loved it. And, you know, obviously, spoiler alert, if you have not watched it, that's your own fault at this point. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think that the, it was the best cameo of the series, too, with Tim, Timothy Oliphant as the marshal this week. So, so good. Um, was really was really good i enjoyed it quite a bit so yes i agree with all those th- we agree on a lot of things football related but that but on the mandalorian we really agree on that point and uh yeah. timothy oliphant great cameo if you haven't seen justified watch justified it's unbelievable uh thanks again for joining us on the catch and until next time may the waivers always be in your favor my friends goodbye